Yeah, I'm not talking about... <laughs> yeah, I'm not talking about lust either, ladies. I'm talking about deep, meaningful, head over heels, his and her towels, let's grow old together, L-O-V-E. Look, I love women. It's, I can't look at you. It's, it's just Ruth Langmore. <laughs> it is. <laughs> or I'm, get in the car. <laughs> I'm not talking about lust either, Marty. Welcome everyone to another episode of Wife Watches. I'm your host, Jason, and joining me as always, it's my wife, Courtney. Hello! It's been a spell. To say the least. Yeah. We've had a, a busy a busy month and a half where we haven't really had the time to uh, watch right. a lot of things or podcast. No, we haven't. It's been forever. We are coming at you from a different studio. Yep, we're in a new space. So hopefully nothing sounds different. If it does, hopefully it sounds better. We moved. We moved into a, a house. Yep. We are landowners now. That's right. We can vote. So we have a, we're slowly but surely making... Is this a media room? Yeah. What, yeah. what else would we call it? I, well, no, right now it's my office because I work in here. I'm, I'm excited about um, just like having a space to maybe not have to put our microphones away. Because mm-hmm. we're using that space for something. There's no other. Eventually, there will be no other reason to have this room except for. This is a dedicated podcast room. Yeah. Uh, this episode is a little bit different. Sometimes we try to shake things up, and we don't always just do uh, huge franchises that I force <laughs> Courtney to sit through. This is uh, a Courtney's pick, a Courtney's mm-hmm. choice. Yeah, this is my pick. There's a review I would like to read. I'll allow it. It's called Chick Flick, but manly, three exclamation points. Oh, good. Well, guys, the girlfriend slash wife wants you to watch another love flick with her. Uh, Man, I've been through that. (laughs) Do you want me to to respond to what he's saying? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sounds like such fun, in parentheses, (laughs) sigh. But relax, there might be one that both of you enjoy. And I am not talking about when you just tell her you liked it to make her happy. And to avoid the 50 questions that would follow if you actually told the truth. The whys, what's, how comes, nag, nag, blah, blah, etc. I recently got bored one night when I couldn't fall asleep and decided to order How to Lose a Guy. Oh, this will date it. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days on pay-per-view. Whoa. (laughs) The reason I chose this particular movie... I don't even know how pay-per-view works. Uh, I chose this particular movie was pretty deep and complex. It was the only one getting ready to start other than Kangaroo Jack. Worst movie ever. I saw it at a birthday party once. Who's, who's birthday? My friend Rachel Summers. Well, uh, at her house or you guys went to a movie theater? We went to a movie theater. That was the one she picked. Yeah, Kangaroo Jack. Was that a consensus pick or that was like she no, was like, she, this is my birthday party. This she, is where yes. we're going. Yeah. Wow. I, no, I know. Wow. So you saw like the CGI kangaroo yeah. get into a fight. Doesn't it beat up someone? I don't remember it. I've, I only saw it that one time. Uh, What's right. the guy's name in it? Charlie? I don't know, actually. But I know I, I can see him in my head. Yeah, I can yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, kangaroo was always wearing, he was wearing like a beach shirt. Like he was. Or like sunglasses Yeah, maybe? like he was going to go to the beach that day. Yeah. And have just kind of like a day to himself. So I haven't done any, I, I, I haven't done zero anything. I have no thoughts 
going into this because cool. this is a movie that I have never seen. Yeah, and that I've seen upwards of... Twice. <sighs> Twice, yeah. I don't think this is an exaggeration. I think I've probably seen it around 100 times. Wow. In what settings would you say? Oh my gosh. Sleepovers. Um, falling asleep in my bed when I was in high school. This is a staple of 100. teen years? Teen years and like growing up. This was like my first like exposure to, well, I don't know, my first. Relationships. <laughs> like this is where I started to fall in love with like. I don't know. Maybe I've said that before with like movies that I saw even when I was even younger. But this was I like, might, I, I mean, 2003 when this came out, I was 12. I don't know. It was perfect it was for just, you. I was just a preteen. I was so excited. I wanted to be a magazine editor. I know. They're always magazine editors. I know. It's great. So the movie that we're watching yeah. is How, how to, to Lose a, a Guy in 10 how many? Days. <laughs> 10 days. That'll be important later, the way that I just said that. 100%. I wonder if there's a contrived reason why he won't be running off in 10 days, why he is motivated to stick through it. Yeah. Do you think there's like a... What do you know? I'm getting suspicious you know something about this movie now. I feel like I know the general thrust okay, of the movie. Okay, cool. Okay. I've never seen it. I feel like I was in a situation... Well, it's one... been on your list for a while. It's not on my list, but I know that this is like a seminal rom-com... Cult classic. ...from the 2000s. Yep. The start of Matthew McConaughey's dip into what he would need to be revived from later. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I would agree with that. Um, but no, yeah, I know this is like a key one. And I'm familiar but... with the general... Okay, okay, okay. Going, okay. kind of, let's back up a little bit. Okay. I would say, even though I feel like this was probably Matthew McConaughey's start to rom-com, and as you say, something that he will need to revive himself from. Yeah, he'll be rescuing. This is like Apex Mountain, I would say. This would probably be his best rom-com that he did, right? I would also put The Wedding Planner in there. I would say these two are like Matthew McConaughey at his best. You know what? I know at least this, the one that probably really killed it for him. Failure to launch? Yep. Yeah, that one's not good. I've actually never gotten through it. Wow. It's awful. Wow. I've been I've been wanting to watch this one for a couple months. Um, one of the podcasts that I've recently started listening to, kind of over quarantine, maybe back in like March, was the Bad Broadcast, which I've talked to you about. Um, hosted by Maddie Murphy, who's very funny. She's great. I feel like we would be really good friends. And she did a. I know we would. <laughs> okay. She did a, you know how people were doing brackets? Oh, yeah. She's actually the first bracket that I saw. But she did a rom-com bracket, and it was so much fun. And she did them all. Every rom-com you can think of, she did. And this is what won. And so I wanted to... How many would you say started out? Oh, my gosh. There were so many. What, what is that? Is that like 20, 100? No, there were probably 30 to 45, 50. Okay. I get frustrated with these brackets when it's like something that I really care about. There were, I mean, there are always a few with those brackets that you're like, what in the world? I know. Why, why did we do that? I'm like that one. That, yeah. 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 I guess that's why they're fun though. I know. She also did a, she. We're pro brackets <laughs> yeah, here. We love a bracket. Yeah. Bring like, a bracket God, back. I love a good bracket. Oh, say that 10 times fast. Bring a bracket back. Yeah. Bring a bracket back. Bring a bracket back. Right. Bring a bracket back. Bring a you bracket back. Faster. Bring a bracket back. Bring a bracket back. Bring a bracket back. Bring our bracket back. Bring our bracket back. That's ten times. <laughs> you didn't say it right. Easy. Uh so anyway, she yeah, she also did a decom one. I can't remember which one. I think Xenon maybe was it. Well I bet oh, I bet it was I bet it was one. a Halloween town, one of those. 
I wasn't, I don't think it was Halloween Town. I think it was Xenon or, or Smart. I don't, I don't remember. Anyway, so she did this decom, or she did this uh, rom-com bracket and it was a lot of fun. Phantom of the Megaplex. <laughs> Can you imagine? Alley Cat um, Strike. <laughs> the Paper Brigade. Oh, uh, that one's actually, that one could have, there's a few that could have just been theatrical releases, I feel you like. You think the Paper Brigade could have been? I do. Gunther. Yeah. Filmed at the Southtown Mall. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's, it could have. I think we talked about this. It's got a lot of uh, Lost Hook, Lost Boys vibe. Like, <laughs> yeah. the way that they put on, like, the armor they make. Like, yeah. the homemade armor for when they're going to war. Because they're with, like, a general. Something military. Like okay, anyway. I don't really so, yeah, remember. Yeah, okay. Doesn't matter. So, yeah, this one won. This has always been one of my favorites. Wow. And I've been wanting to watch it. So, I wanted to ask you, what's your kind of general understanding um, and or relationship to early aughts rom-coms? More than most people at that age, I was more into them. Like, I think people in general in high school, like boys, are like, rom-coms suck. Mm-hmm. But I like them if either they have, like, good story or, like, good characters. Yeah. So I really liked, I liked Just Like Heaven. I liked 13 Going on 30. Okay, Just Like Heaven's the first thing you thought of? Yeah, because I remember being like, Mark Mark Ruffalo. Uh, you also said 13 going on 30, so you're just... The, yeah, those two are... <laughs> just because of Mark Ruffalo? Yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't like The Notebook. Music and lyrics was a little bit later. We like we like that one. We just recently... Well, last year we watched it. Yeah. I mean, and then I, like, I was aware of ones... Like, I think I saw You've Got Mail with my mom and sister in theaters. It had to be at least five times. Right. Well, that's not early aughts. Yeah, I know, but like these are like the things I like okay. had in mind at the time. Because yeah. no, I mean like I, I grew up watching a lot of like classic '90s Meg Ryan, Julie Roberts ones, mm-hmm. and I feel like because of that, I was always a bit more judgmental of what I view it as like kind of like paper mill ones where they just kind of turned turned them out, which yeah. which I feel like people in high school were, were more into. Yeah, and I was like, these are these are like bad, like worse versions of better movies. I would even say over the last decade rom-com i think the rom-com died in 2009 ish i always think the last real rom-com that i remember really enjoying was the proposal which came out in 2009 i was actually going to say that was one i had in mind as being like this genre needs something so like they they are resting to Honestly, it's kind of weird that you say that because I feel like the superhero genre kind of did the same thing in the same period of time in the 2000s where it's like, you can't just throw in a couple of these elements and call it a day. Yeah. And clearly they'd been making enough money that people just thought that's what you could do. Sure. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's the same story with some like really bad superhero movies in the aughts. It was almost just like they were like, here's a two sentence pitch. Let's put Sandra Bullock in there and like yeah. they'll they'll figure it out. We don't really have to write something very interesting or different. Uh-huh. You can coast on that for a while, but after a while people are like, this we we want something better than this. Yep. I totally agree. Is that kind of that's the last one that you remember too? You're kind of on my same. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, they're well, like sprinkled throughout. There's like Easy A, 2011. I would, I, think. I would not classify that as a rom com. No, you're right. Coming that's of a coming age. of age. I, but like, that's why in my mind, I always see like 500 Days of Summer as a bit of a turning point of people being like, let's okay. reinvent this. How can we reinvent this a little bit? You'll always have just like bottom of the barrel of any genre. It'll always, there'll always be that like consistency, like every year there'll always just be bad stuff in any genre. Uh-huh. So you're never going to be completely free of that. But I do think 
there was some serious introspection of that, of being like, I think certain other genres like picked it apart where people who normally really want what they really want out of a rom-com, they just kind of went to like direct comedies. Yeah. Yeah. People like you probably, and this is how I felt with superheroes. If you really genuinely love the genre, you can find redeeming qualities even in the worst of it. Yeah. And so you're like, I'll put up with a bad superhero movie and be like, whatever, this is fine. But People in general won't accept that for very long. And you just have to do something to revitalize it a little bit. And I feel like, yeah, the last like five years, there's been very, very smart, competent romantic comedies. Yeah. I always get mixed up with rom-com and chick flick, which we have probably exhausted. No, that's the same. I don't know that it is. Because I would classify The Notebook as a chick flick, but I would not classify oh, it as a rom-com. Okay, no, I, okay, yeah, I actually know, yeah. That's I a rom-drom. Okay. About Time is not a rom-com. No, no. That's a rom-drom. Rom-com can fit, chick flick is a broader term. Rom-com yeah, yeah, yeah. fits into that. That's, yeah, that's a good way to, yeah. Because just general romance movies can be chick flicks. Yeah. And that's what I would say The Notebook is a romance even Easy A could technically be seen as a chick flick, although that I would say is a teen movie yeah. and a coming of age movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, okay. Glad we got that worked out. That was good. Okay, my next question is how did you how did you miss it? I just never got around to it. I never wanted to watch it. Obviously at the time it wasn't like Well, you were yeah, thirteen. Yeah. Fourteen. So it wasn't like I was going to see it. It's not like how people missed the Dark Knight, for instance. And there wasn't, what avenue was I going to find that? It's not like, yeah, there, that's true. there weren't streaming services. It wasn't like I was going to like randomly happen on it. Well, what were you up to in 2003? 2003, I was 14, 13 to 14. Well, what were you doing? Um, what I, were you into? Who were you in 2003? Oh my gosh. All right. Well, here's what I remember. Uh, I So I loved, um, I was changing, you know, I was growing up. <laughs> my interests were changing from, I was still very much into Star Wars and Spider-Man, but I was more into like I was get I was very into Angel that year. Uh, never really like love Angel. Never really like Buffy, but like my Angel years were really 0304 and it, it was canceled in 04. So like that I was like the height of it for me, right? Yeah. I was probably really I feel like I liked Smallville quite a bit too. I like remember that I rem- I have memories of that summer of 2003 getting Angel season one on DVD, Friends season one on DVD. No, I'm sorry, VHS. Friends was on VHS four tapes. And just watching them over and over and over as I fell asleep. Yeah. And so I was really into that. Let's see. If I was 14, I was have, going into think, freshman year. Do you think your mom has it? Has those VHSs anymore? Oh, I'm sure. My interests were that. I, I, I was like into comedy. So like I, my friends and I, we'd watch a lot of like SNL, Conan, Simpsons. So like that was also, okay. I don't know. Is that kind of what you? Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. I was in the sixth grade. So this came out in January. Um, that's interesting. Used to be the dumping month. It's not really the case anymore. January. I uh, like honestly, maybe until like a year or two ago. I so know. you'd see a lot of well, I guess rom coms. That makes sense for January to play into February. But you uh, see a lot of like horror movies dump around that point too. Mm-hmm. January used to be the dump month when there were more. It was there were more rigid rules about what kind of movie released when during the year. Disney's broken that model now. No, you can, you can make money anytime. When do you think we'll start seeing movies again and having movie releases? Spring 2021. If anything, the summer was going to happen and then maybe a second wave would like spook people and you'd move things from the winter. But I think 2020 will just be a dead year. All of these releases will start to happen spring of 2021. I mean, what's going to happen at the Oscars? Because the Oscars are in April, right? April 2021. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Well, what you can do, I mean, like those are, 
those are just big, big budget releases where yeah. they're like, we have to make money. But then there's other options where like, there's like a Fincher movie coming out. There's like that Wes Anderson one. Those ones can be released to some financial gain through VOD services. Do you think that they'll do that? I think a lot of them will. I mean, we just watched Palm Springs. Yeah. Which was, that was a Sundance darling that was mm-hmm. supposed to be a wide release. Yeah. And they ended up selling it to Hulu. And it's fantastic. And I feel like, especially if they're like, you know, no new releases this year, you'll see a lot of them go that route. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, I think everything will just be shifted back a year, basically. Gosh, that's so weird. I know. If New York and California are in a good spot, I think movie the- like movie studios will just be like, you know what, we're fine. We'll let people just brave it, and people will brave it regardless of what happens. Anyway. anyway. Uh, sorry to depress anyone. <laughs> we're not getting movies this year. Um, in 2003, I was in the sixth grade. Okay. I was kind of in that same phase of like, I'm not a kid anymore. I'm a sixth grader. <laughs> this was the movie where I was like, I want to be, I want to move to New York and I want to be a magazine editor and I want to do all this stuff and I want to be a woman. Oh, man. And my my friend who lived across the street, her grandma lived in like this little mother-in-law apartment that they had built onto their house and she had just moved out. And so that apartment was empty. So we used to just pretend like we, which is like thinking about it now, I'm like sixth grade is like maybe too old to be pretending. I don't know what a sixth grade is like. uh, I don't know. We used to go in there and stuff our bras, pretend that we were living in New York and like going to our jobs every day. And we used to like. That's 11 year old behavior. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Probably. We used to like, the only thing we knew how to make were eggs and spaghetti. So we would like cook in this apartment (laughs) and we would just like live out our fantasy lives as like the girls in this movie like oh, which yeah. is so funny to me that was that was where i was in yeah, your studio apartment that no one can actually afford and no one really <laughs> knows how they're affording it but just two gals in the city two gals in the city the year is 2003 the president of the united states is george w bush correct the top song of the week the mo- uh, the top song of the week the movie came out do you know what it is January 2003? Mm-hmm. Nelly? No. I never have my finger on the pulse of what is like musically. Because I feel like my music tastes are never really in lockstep with like broadly whatever okay. we're really into. Yeah. But it probably is. Give me the genre. Is it rap? Pop. 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 Do I know them? Yeah. Do you want to guess one more time? Well, yeah. Give me a hint though. Okay. Mouseketeer. Oh. um, Is it like Crimey River? Nope. Um, Is it Where's the Love? No, but you're no, getting closer. Later. Um. I have the right Mouseketeer? No. But you're like in the same realm. Is it Britney? No. What? Very close. I mean, Ryan Gosling is a renaissance man, but he couldn't have released anything at that time, could he have? <laughs> the goose. It's on the tip of your tongue. I don't know. I, I, okay. I'm okay. not going to know it. I, don't, I, don't, I can't think of another okay, Mouseketeer. Okay, I'm going to sing about it. I'm going to sing it. About it? Yeah, you, I'm going to sing wrote, about you wrote, it. You wrote your own song? I wrote, I wrote my own rendition of this song. This is a cover by Courtney. I am beautiful in every oh, single way. Gosh. I didn't know she was a musketeer. Christina Aguilera? Yeah. You didn't. I think, well, I, I think I did, but I, I didn't, pull, I couldn't have pulled that. Mandy Moore was also not a musketeer, and neither was, I can't remember if Jessica Simpson was, but there were four, four in the early aughts. Britney Spears was obviously probably, Britney and Christina battled for top dog for years, right? Absolutely. 
But there was also Mandy Moore and Jessica Simpson, which were all four kind of the same, like they were all having musical moments around this time. Yeah. Pop culture events. You'll like this one. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It ended that year. Yeah. And Dawson's Creek ended. And The O.C. began. Ignition by R. Kelly came out that year. The remix to Ignition? Yeah. Hot and Fresh Out of the Kitchen? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it didn't age well, did it? Oh, no, it really doesn't. (laughs) The Britney Madonna Kiss. Oh, man, people were so pissed about that. I know. Has our society ever recovered? Yeah. Oh, no. Best Picture? Chicago. The Regime of Saddam Hussein Collapses. Mission Accomplished. Yep, I remember. This one's a little spooky. We we had a... In the junior high, we had Channel One. Did you have that? Oh, yeah. Channel One, fifth period. I remember watching, like, the Iraq War unfold on Channel One. Yes. The World Health Organization introduces SARS as a new disease. Oh, I wonder what that was like. (laughs) The average cost of a new house was around $243,000. The average median household income, this one's wild, $45,000. And gas was $1.83. We all had Nokia phones, and we were going hard with Snake, the What's... game. Did you never play Snake, Snake on your Nokia? No. It's that game where you... It's I like didn't a have long... a Nokia phone. Oh. I didn't have a phone until 2005. Oh, that's weird. Do you talk about the movie at all? Well, then, what do you know about it? I may, like I might have some of these wrong. So it's like it's kind of... We'll interrogate what I, where I was off. But I yeah. think for the most part. She's a writer, and she's writing a story, and the pitch is how to lose a guy in 10 days. And she's dating Matthew McConaughey, who also, through some other means, has like a bet or something that's compelling him to stay involved. He's trying to stick it out, and she's trying to like terrorize or gross him out or freak him out enough to like want to get out, but he is like going with it, and she's just dumbfounded as well. I actually don't know if I, this is from a trailer, or if I actually saw this at some point in a house somewhere where someone was watching it. He's like going through the bathroom stuff, and he's like, oh, what is this? <laughs> and like, a girl has this? Yeah, creams or like fungus stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Tampons? Ew, girls don't have... I, okay, this is... A, I, I'm curious how... What of this ages well or doesn't, yeah. too? I mean, it's almost been 20 years. That's wild to me. Okay. <laughs> Your face. Wild. This is like a bad Woody Allen, kind of. So that's what I know about it. Okay. Well, should we go watch it? We should watch it. Okay, let's go. On our new... We we have a kind of a new oh setup, by the way. we do. We won't get into it, but... Um, this is one well, of the. We fir- might get into. This it. is one of the first movies we're watching on a larger TV than normal with new curtains. We just finished putting up that were a pain in the ass. Yeah, they were total bitch. But I feel like the setting is great for this. Yeah, I'm. I'm so excited. And here we go. How to lose a guy in ten, nine, eight, <laughs> seven, six, five, five four, four, three, Can we watch How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days? That's right. Jason, what did you think? I thought it was pretty good. Good. I'm really glad that I finally saw it. I am too. I've been wanting you to see it for a long time. How many days would you give it? Um, I'd probably give it uh, 7 out of 10 days. Okay. Like, okay, so big, big ideas, and then we can kind of like nitpick little thoughts we had. Okay. But I thought this was like maybe peak McConaughey in his 
rom-com Absolutely. phase, right? I agree. I thought it had a really good cast, which I think it, it was it was very I would I would say it was kind of like middle tier rom-com and obviously not up really there with like the greats. Yeah. But I think when you have something like that that's like very leaning into the genre, you have to have a really good cast to make or break it and I thought that this did. Okay. I really liked Matthew McConaughey and um um Goldie Hawn's daughter. I blanked on her name. Kate Hudson. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> And Catherine Hahn. And Catherine Hahn, yeah. I thought the cast, they, like the cast was really good. And they were really charming, which yeah. um, is like critical, right? Yeah. Um, I would say I think it leans a bit too far into the genre, in a way that like if you if you see like a like a raunchy comedy that is just like so far into the genre, train that wreck. Makes sex. Uh, makes sex. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you. I guess so. It does lean into the. To the genre. I'm thinking, I'm thinking more like Saving Silverman, oh. uh, American Pie. Okay. Where like I think Trainwreck was tasteful, perhaps. I haven't seen it in years, and I was a bit more of a prude when I did. No, I actually really like that movie. Oh, okay. I know some people kind of don't. I remember I loved... just thinking I like Bill Hader in it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but where it's just like, I think it just leans a bit too far into jokes and scenarios that appeal directly to its target audience which was teenage girls sure in the same way that like, i don't think teenage girls well like, i would say young adults sure okay young adult women but in the same way that like american pie is definitely hitting a very specific demographic yeah. within a demographic yeah and so i think that's what uh keeps it from like achieving because it's got it i like that it has a high concept because I feel like like some good good comedies and like rom coms have like a, are built around like kind of a high concept, which is like this elaborate contrivance that they both yeah bring them into conflict. Um, but when I think what keeps it from maybe just being better is that it really is like batting towards a very specific group that I was like, oh, this is like it's kind of holding it back in my mind uh-huh. from being something on on par with like. The late 80s, 90s, like that run of just like iconic, iconic, fantastic um, rom-coms that I feel like transcend the genre and are just good movies. Not just like, these are good rom-coms. It's like, these are just actually great movies regardless of genre. Is Meg Ryan in in the top three? I mean, like what, I have a top three in my mind. Of like actresses? Uh, No, like fantastic rom-coms, great movies. Meg Ryan's a, a... a human. Yeah. Is she in the top three? I'm uh, wondering what your top three are. Oh, my top three are. I mean, well, we I, mean did this I, I know we did this, but like when you just like off the cuff think of best rom-coms of like the 80s and 90s. I'm thinking when Harry Met Sally, Sleepless in Seattle. Um, I don't necessarily agree with this, but maybe Notting Hill. Oh, okay. See, I was putting You've Got Mail in there. Um, Even though I do always argue You've Got Mail is more to me than a rom-com, but that's kind of what you're saying. I like You've Got Mail more, but I think... I think that also feels a bit genre-y. Yeah. Okay. I think if you want to be like these are just great movies that like really any I think people who who maybe like don't like romantic comedies would still begrudgingly be like, "Yeah, that's a great movie." Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um it had all the tropes. I well, we can probably talk about this later. Um, but I, there were some moments that I felt like really defied uh, some tropes, which I thought was to its credit. Okay. Like what? Um, just like when they go to his family, 
his family's house. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was going to be like another uh, time, like just another run of hijinks. And it really was just like a... <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Couple scenes. Yeah. So like stuff like that where I just thought it was going to go one way, it went the other. So no, I, I'm really glad I watched it though. Yeah, I am too. I have one. I don't to know if it's like maybe... I don't... Lo- I didn't love it. It like wasn't in my top 10, but I still, I, I thought. Kind of feels like you're throwing a little bit of shade at me. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I also have favorite movies of mine. They're bit, definitely built around when I watched them and like f- how formative they were. Oh, cool. But yeah. I think this movie doesn't do well if you don't have the two leads who are just very charismatic. Yeah. And could honestly make, make so, the material work. So. With what you just said, sure. how who would we? It's kind of an opposite, like imaginary casting. Who makes this movie worse? Mm. Like, who do you put in to like, make it bad? Some someone kind of bland, like uh, Katie Holmes. Uh, maybe. Oh, get out of here, Katie Holmes in this movie. Yeah, she doesn't have enough. There's like there is a there's an element to both of them where I don't feel like I'm watching something kind of dumb. Yeah. Where they they're both interesting enough performers that I feel like they're elevating the material beyond what it is, and I don't think Katie Holmes can do that. I, like the ones I was thinking of were just like some obvious ones where it's like, um, like the girl from a walk to Mandy Moore. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and uh, Shane West. Like if it was that pairing in this movie, do you know what I'm saying? Like. I think it I think it is something that these both McConaughey and um shit Hudson, Hudson. <laughs> I they are good really good performers outside of these movies. Like I can think of other movies like Oscar contender movies that they give great performances in and I think that that's kind of leads to this. Some of these other people that were really like really hot at this time. Jennifer Garner. Yeah, she wouldn't be great in this one. No, Sorry, she also. Jennifer. Uh, apologies, Jennifer. I feel like she only has like two speeds as an actress. Yeah. I don't, I, think, I she has, I don't think she has a lot of range. And I think these people do. And maybe people didn't really see it at the time. Although I will say um, <laughs> Hudson, I mean, she had just come off of uh, oh, the one where he's uh, it's oh, my gosh. Oh, Almost the, Famous. Yes, Almost yeah. Famous. She's really good in that. And I really like that movie. She's she's I she's one of my favorite actresses. I really like her. Yeah, that's why I'm saying like she she has an like actual range and depth to it that you can like bring to some of these scenes. And then I mean obviously we don't need to we don't need to say anything about Matthew McConaughey. We all, no, we, we worship all know. him. He's so he's, <laughs> he's a the he's, best. he's incredible. For, I didn't always for, feel like that. For someone who like continue like doesn't make any effort to change his accent when he's acting he is very very good and he, well and dynamic even with the accent that's what i'm saying yeah. like they both have a magnetism about them that otherwise this movie could have been like in in worse hands kind of shitty yeah i agree anyway yeah those are my overall thoughts all right <clears throat> well do you want to dive in a little bit deeper i do okay i'll let you lead this discussion but i also have some stray thoughts I would love to hear your stray thoughts. Okay. So the Rotten Tomatoes score, the critic score, do you want to guess what it was? I'm going to say like 44%. Whoa, 42%. <laughs> holy crap. Oh, holy crap. <laughs> the audience score was 77%. Okay, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> about about the, you, you nailed pretty much both of those. Wow. Uh, my first question. Yeah. I think there are two key people who play like a sidekick 
best friend in various rom-coms or chick flicks. Okay. Catherine Hahn, okay. who was in this movie, and Judy Greer. So I just am wondering who you prefer. I watched The Wedding Planner last night, and Judy Greer is the sidekick in that. Well, I mean, I don't really, I honestly don't associate either of those actresses with rom-coms. Oh, what do you associate Judy Greer with? Arrested Development. She also has like, like bit parts in like Jurassic World and Ant-Man. Yeah. What about Katherine Hahn? Um, she had uh, like a little reoccurring part in Parks and Rec. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so you're you're. She's also the voice of Doctor Octopus in Into the Spider Verse. Yes, that's true. I forgot about that. So you're like your experience with those two actresses is very different than mine because I grew up seeing them in so many rom coms. Judy Greer also is in the Planet of the Apes movies. We found out. <laughs> oh yeah, I can't remember who she plays. I think she plays the mom. She plays Caesar's wife. Oh yeah! For like twenty minutes in a movie. Oh yeah, I totally forgot about and that. And her and her wedding was had Planet of the Apes uh, cake. Yeah, because her husband to... loves Planet of the Apes. That's right. We talked about that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted I just wanted to know that because that was. I did feel like I think I think I knew Catherine Hahn was a bit more like from that genre more. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. You would think that of her. If you grew up with this movie. Yeah. I don't remember if I already said this. The budget was $50 million. It made $177.4 million. Hmm. So that's, a hit. that's fine. Yeah, I think that's so. That's a hit. That seems high. That, seems, that budget seems high. For a rom-com in 2003, that seems really high. Well, I'm going to tell you later. I wonder, do you think this had anything to do with it? All of those diamonds are very real. No, they would rent those. They're not buying those. True, but the budget for that, would it not go into renting them? They're Ugh. all Harry Winstons. I uh, I don't know, but that seems really high. 50 million? 50 million. Well, and Matthew McConaughey. Think of it this way. Avengers Endgame probably costs like 250 million. So this costs a fifth of that. Huh. 20 years ago. That's crazy that it's that high. Yeah. That's like the budget of a lot of action movies from the like, 90s. They were like both like pretty it people at the time. That doesn't... Uh, no? What are you still giving them? More than two million a piece? I don't know. I should have looked up what they made, but I didn't pick that out. How much do rom-coms usually spend? So it spent a hundred million, right? Because you double it for marketing costs. Well, I don't know if you would really count that for... that. That's typically for like a big blockbusters. I don't think... I don't this know... This would be? That that rule of thumb. Yeah. I don't know how much that plays into other genres okay. as much. So the marketing tagline. You ready for it? I'm ready. One of them is lying. <gasps> so is the other. <laughs> Did a tooth just fall out? <laughs> that's my earring back. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? I just lose a tooth. <laughs> okay, so some things about this movie. There was a lot of impro improvisation. Okay. That's a hard word to say. Improvisation. You nailed it. Including the scene with the family album, Kate Hudson also improvised plastering Matthew McConaughey with kisses during the scene where she introduces the new dog, which is why McConaughey looked genuinely surprised. The whole family album thing, do you remember that? I do. And this is our first child, Benny Jr. Yeah. Oh, there's his vacationing in Hawaii. Little Andy's on my shoulders and then da-da-da, Benjamin Jr. on yours. <laughs> 
There's little Andy. Oh, there are the kids in Switzerland. Yodeling. Our kids are really attractive. Funny that he made a comment about her style because this movie, everything was so 2000s. It was crazy. Oh, oh so 2000s. What specifically? Like guy stuff was always going to stick out to me more. Sure. But like all of Matthew McConaughey's, his suits, just the way his suits fit, the pant legs and everything was very big. Yeah. Very like a lot of room in there yeah. in those suits. His t-shirts were just, they looked like the cheapest kind of cotton. They were just t-shirts. Yeah. They looked a little too short. Uh-huh. I don't know. It was weird. I noticed Boxy. that about like her stuff. Her stuff is all like very like tight. Mm, I noticed. I remember her having like low rise jeans. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like crop tops, low rise and crop tops, yeah. kind of. What a time. Yeah, I love her dress. Her yellow dress. She looks so beautiful. I've always thought that stunning. So when they go to the gala where the bet blows up, yeah, um, and she's wearing the Isadora diamond. That's an 84 carat yellow diamond worth $5.3 million. See, if they bought that, that's only a tenth of their budget. I th- Is it weird that they didn't just use costume jewelry? That That's the, yeah, that's that the weirdest seem... part to me. They you know didn't I mean? even talk about how it was a Harry Winston. Oh, but we know. But like you'd think if they were actually using them, they'd make some sort of mention about how it's... I don't think they did. Do you? Th- I don't think they ever talked about how it was a Harry. No, because it was a Delauer. I don't know. Just crazy to me. And they used like Chanel, the boss, when she shows up. She's in like a Chanel dress. And um, the diamonds in her tiara are real, which that was really expensive. Everyone is wearing real diamonds, which Why? is, cr- I don't know. It's so weird. Okay. I-, I wouldn't be able to tell. Me neither. Do you know which magazine, Composure magazine, that she works for? Do you know what that's trying to impersonate? It's prob- probably like, not Vogue. Vogue is too old. It's like some teen magazine, right? Like Cosmopolitan. It is. It's Cosmopolitan. Got it. Um, how much did you read magazines like that growing oh, up? I didn't read. Well, I read some Cosmopolitan. And I still remember things about them that I read, like about sex growing up. I didn't read a ton of Cosmopolitan, but I would read like... I read like People Magazine and no, Us Weekly. So there was like what? I read one that was like a teen. Yeah, what was that? There, I'm, I'm, there was like my Teen sister, Vogue. My sister got some of those. There was like tears almost. There was like, like Cosmopolitan is a bit more mature, right? Ten ways to please your man, yes, stuff like you're that. Nailing it, yeah. But then like there was always like the teen stuff, like teen ones where it was like Tiger Beat. Yeah, that was a bit older. Tiger Beat. That was a bit older than me. Eight ways to, to, like, how do you know if you, like, Frenched or just made out? Like, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, did you read those? I mean, my sister had them, so I would, like, peruse them. Because I'd be like, yeah, I want to know. I want to know what's going on. <laughs> I want to have my my, As I'm, like, I'm, like, nine years old. <laughs> yeah, Teen Heartthrobs, Kirk Cameron. Magazines. I'd say that's a bit before my time. Or Nick Lachey. How's that? Yeah, that's better. There we go. That's better, Nick Lachey. Um, this was filmed on location in New York City. So it looked like it. Yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow and director Mike Newell. Do you know anything else he did? Mike Newell. Um, I, you know, he did the fourth Harry Potter movie. Yeah. Do you know the other one? I always mix him with Mike Nichols, who did The Graduate. I know it's not oh. Mike Nichols. I know it's not. Um, Mike, w- w- give me a hint. Hugh Grant. Oh, the famous one. Notting Hill? Nope. About a boy. Nope. Four Weddings and a Funeral? Yes. Okay. Four Weddings and a Funeral, which we liked. We did, yeah. Um, so those two, Gwyneth Paltrow and Mike Newell, were originally tied to this movie, but the producer, Linda Ob- Obst, do you know her? No, I don't. She couldn't get Mike Newell to commit to a date, and Gwyneth Paltrow went on to work on View from the Top. Oof. So they are planning on reviving this um, movie through... 
Quibi. <laughs> so there's kind of like there there's no like nobody's like cast or anything. They're just talking about reviving it in like the digital age. <laughs> I, I think it'd be fun. I just don't. I mean, I think Quibi is uh, going to die. Oh yeah, probably. My question with that is like, I mean, I'd be interested, but I don't think I'd. Well, I don't know. I go back and forth because sometimes I can get lost in a YouTube vortex of short videos. Okay, but like this would be like a like a long like a long narrative across like five minute installments. Oh, it's like TV shows, but their episodes are five minutes or shorter, or they're quick, yeah. they're quick bites. Yeah, I'm, yeah, okay. But they're also they're also like made to consume uh, primarily on your phone. Yeah, that sounds not great. Well, it sounds like an idea that. I think I'm like, I would hate that, but I, I'm i also very wrong sometimes with those things mm. where I have no idea what millions of people will be, end up being like, that's fantastic. Yeah, like, what do you think like the market research was behind that? I have no idea. What did you think about the like roles that they were playing and just the gender stereotypes in general? Not as bad as I the thought it purse, would be, honestly. Or like like when the purse shows up at his office. What do you mean not as bad as you thought it would be? I thought it would be a little bit like there'd be more like jokes where you hear them now from like yeah. things from the 2000s and you're like, whoa. Yeah. Like I didn't, ah, this, this this hits really weird Yeah. a decade later. And there wasn't, it wasn't as bad as I, I, I thought there would be more of that. Mm. There wasn't. I can't actually really think of anything specific. I was also thinking about cool girl Amy and how Andy Anderson embodies cool girl Amy cool girl who like has the NBA playoffs tickets and she just she's so sexy because she wants to go to they are the just game. they are producing tickets day of to every <laughs> major know. event Celine Dion the yeah. pl- like the NBA playoffs every game well, every game within 10 days. They went to like three games, which I don't think happened. And they I keep mean, being like, like, the schedule is guess ridiculous. what? I have tickets too. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you can't just get those day of, I don't <laughs> think. I've never tried, yeah. I guess, to be fair. And she's eating like, she, she she's eating that huge burger and she's eating it like a monster, you know? Oh, like, man. Yeah. She's so she's cool. So fun. She's so like sexy, but she's also so skinny and she has this beautiful blonde hair. She's, she's just, just like a dude. It's she's awesome. She's just like a dude she's so cool yeah and i just don't really think like i haven't seen a role like that recently it just kind of doesn't exist anymore because people kind of see through it i think a little bit because i think i used to think that character i i mean i still love it i i love this movie but um when they are first like establishing the bets yeah yeah what did you think about the plot i knew he had something that would like was keeping him locked in i and I knew I thought he was also like a rival, like newspaper. Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember what I thought like the plot was, or like why he was in this situation. I didn't realize it was it was more intentional than I thought it was. That so like those other two girls like set up this on purpose. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be a lot more coincidental that they happened to like having conflicting goals yeah. for these ten days. I kind of thought that they she pushed too crazy too quick. Like in real life, how how much mileage would you well, have given her? If I was her, I mean, if I was in his in his situation, I probably would have like kept it going because it would have I needed to get that that deal. Mm-hmm. So I probably would have just gone with it no matter what. I think any other guy, if you didn't have anything like locked to keep you holding on for the ten days, 
you would have bounced after like day three or four. Oh, well, uh, they were very much not at any basketball game. Could you tell that? Could you tell they were filmed in front of a, a blue screen? No. Yeah, they were definitely like the, their outline was like superimposed oh, against I didn't even a see fake that. game. Wow, I've never noticed that. I did like how structurally you're you're not necessarily hating or favoring one person over the other. Yeah. Um, because they're both in it for somewhat selfish. They're and it's not like they're necessarily. It's like even there's selfish reasons that they're in it, but they're all like not terrible selfish reasons. Like one, she has to write an article for her boss. The other guy's trying to like get a deal. Yeah. For his work, like they're both like fairly innocent. People get so mad at sports. I, I had that thought, too. I remember that, too. Um, she was getting so worked up. I just... People that get worked up at sports. Yeah. Uh, we're the weird ones, because the majority of people love sports. I would not have gotten, if we were at a game and I cared about the game, I would not have gotten you a drink. But I think, I think there are a lot of people who would do stuff like that. Well, they're chumps. Yeah, they, no, I agree 100%. It's, it's not diet. She used the, the term sparky more than once. I know. Not ironically. Hey, all right, look here, sparky. Oh, what is that, seven in a row, sparky? You look pretty good too, Sparky. They also said Celine Dion weird. Oh. Oh yeah, he says a Celine Dion concert. Look, you took me to a goddamn Celine Dion concert. You made me miss the big game. Clearly the first time he's ever said that name out loud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I also realized, I remember girls in high school being obsessed with, or like at like a karaoke night or like some kind of open mic night playing You're So Vain. Oh, 100%. And now I know what clearly they, it was because of that movie. Yeah. But I was always like, weird. But like, I was like, a lot of girls I knew, knew this like old Carly Simon song. Yeah. And I remember us like singing it and we would always change the words to, maybe Ben's partner. And like we would sing that oh, when sure, I was younger yeah. too and you'd change it because that's what she does in the movie. Absolutely. Those are all my notes. Those are all my stray thoughts. Okay. Wait, except this, they make penis jokes. I was curious if you, as a 14-year-old, was bashful when those jokes happened, depending on who you watched it with. I don't think I was, no. I mean, with my with my gals, no way. <laughs> like, we all thought it was fun. I mean, it was cooler. Was You'd it? be a weirdo if you were like, you didn't, oh my god. You gosh. didn't all awkwardly laugh? Be no. Like, <laughs> because here's the thing about 14-year-olds today and 14-year-olds in the early 2000s. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> My nieces have not seen the movies that I saw when I was 14. And when I was frankly six or eight, like I, I had seen, we've talked about this before. I had seen Dumb and Dumber by the time I was like six years old. Okay. So it was like by the time I was 14, I don't think a penis joke was really. 
I but, mean, maybe if I was watching with my mom, but I didn't really watch with my mom. Because I was thinking, like, if we were, like, the raunchiest things that I was watching at age 13 was, like, Saving Silverman. Mm-hmm. And maybe, like, Anchorman. Yeah. There's, like, boner jokes and stuff. Those are just funny. If you're just with the, the guys palling around, <laughs> sharing a root beer. No. Whoa, guys. No. It really? was never awkward. No. Oh, yeah, well. We just thought it was so funny. Um, We didn't really know what sex was, however. Interesting. So I didn't fully understand when she talks. He's like, the the king has momentarily abdicated his throne. I had no idea what that meant. Oh, sure. I do not like this uh, Matthew McConaughey as much as I like, say, a wedding planner Matthew McConaughey. Have you seen The Wedding Planner? I have. In the- I saw it in theaters. I prefer a Matthew McConaughey. I prefer Steve Edison to ben- Benjamin Barry. So where he has a uh, treadmill duel. With another man. Yes. Yes. I think I like this movie more than The Wedding Planner. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, I might like the movie better, but I definitely like the character better than oh, okay. the other one. I think this is less cliche than The Wedding Planner. That's funny because a lot of the reviews that I read from critics were like, the script is very predictable. But like, for instance, with this one, I don't know, like you obviously figure, well, you know they're going to end up with each other. But I think like when they go visit his family and she just acts normal because there was, okay, there was an element of this where I was like, oh, I don't really want to just be like uncomfortable cringe comedy through a lot of this, which this is like what the situational comedy setup is mm-hmm. where she's going, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where they're going to embarrass each other, mostly him embarrassed in front of people. Mm-hmm. And so when they were going to go to his family for the weekend, I was like, ah, oh, like, oh, dude, I don't really, really know how much I even just want to watch. It's kind of like, I like Meet the Parents. But it, it's draining, and there's like an anxiety I get watching it. Have you seen it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like you just know everything's going to go wrong, and yeah. it didn't do that at all. They no. just had like a normal time. Yeah, they had a lovely time. They really, they really did. So that's what I mean. Like it was less generic or less predictable in some aspects. Mm-hmm. And I think the I can't think of anything in the wedding planner that happens that I would ever say was truly surprising. Yeah, and the wedding planner is not very funny. This one's at least funny. You laughed at his sidekicks you liked a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, one of them is... Um, Tony and Thayer. Man, the guy, the nerd, the nerdier one. Yeah. He's in like Reno 911. He's like... Oh, he's like he's a, in Friends, too. Oh, wait. No, no, no. That's the other guy. No. I wish I could remember what his name is. But he is like in stuff and is very funny. That is a trope, though. I feel like mostly in like rom-coms. The friends that are... that Like, it's actually... I think I feel like it's very well made fun of in They Came Together. Where it's... The best friends who have no internal life and nothing nothing going on in their own lives, but they are merely exist to ask questions and support their friend and help them figure out their own issues. Before I proposed to Tiffany, I wanted to run it by my buddies that I play ball with at the local playground. They always tell it like it is. Basketball, basketball, basketball. basketball. Hey guys. Looks like our buddy Joel here is finally getting ready to pop the question. Pretty great, right? Hey, don't ask me. I can hardly commit to a second date half the time. Swish! Do not listen to Mr. Chronically Single, Always Dating Some New Hot Chick Guy. Being married is great. That's the point of view I represent. Oh, okay. Mr. has to go home early because he can't hang out with the boys because he's got to spend time with his wife guy. Yeah, that's right. You get it now. Mr. combines traits that each of us represents, and all you need to do is put it all together, and you'll be just fine, guy. You know what? You guys make a lot of sense. I'm going to go propose. It's honestly just like a narrative device so you can, like, 
talk out loud without just talking to yourself. But these people are more just to say like, we, we don't have any, like nothing happens in our lives. We seem to have no family or friends or any like conflict in our lives. We yeah. just, the only purpose of our existence is to like help you figure out your very specific issues and not even really do our jobs here. Yeah. How much do you think movies like this contribute to the uh, disillusionment and like feeling of burnout that our generation has in corporate America? Because you just think that growing up is you sort of go to your job, but then you're never tired. It doesn't seem like anyone's tired at their job. And you're just like, you're living in these really nice apartments and you have awesome jobs that don't ever seem to require actually any work from you. Most of your day is built around like internal con romantic conflicts that everyone enjoys spending time cracking. That job would actually be like a 10 hour a day job. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to wake up every morning at like probably like 530. They all just seem so refreshed. I know. As stuff like that I'm watching. I'm like, it's probably, it's movies like this. I think they gave me like the wrong idea of what growing up and having a nine to five job was actually like. How are they not tired? So tired by the end of their work day, well, like, they just want to go home and sleep. Rom coms are like the worst offender of that. They just make everything look good. Uh, it was also interesting when you were talking about the other characters not really having any sort of life themselves. Um, I was thinking a lot about. Um, Andy and how she is such a surface level like with Ben we get to see his family we get to learn a little bit more about him outside of like the bet outside of work and with her it's all about work and it's all about him do you, right do you find out any does you find out anything about her family or nothing anything? nothing huh. and it, well it made me think of like 500 days of summer where she's also in a more complex way like like the absolute image of like what a woman should be to Tom. Y you only learn about her through other relationships and how other people see her, which is kind of how Andy is, right? She's just like a cool, sexy, fun, cool girl. And that's basically all you know. How you know did, that she wants yeah. to write more. Like, you know that she wants to write different things. And that's like the deepest it gets, which is still very surface level. Do you know another line from this movie? And instead of me saying it, I want you to put it in here. Okay. Do, do you remember at the beginning when she says, two stale jumbo dogs, you'll be whistling a different tune. Do you remember that? I, I remember just thinking, that's freaking cool. Um, and then when she gets in the cab after the game and she looks up at Ben and she says, see you later. Okay, I have a question for you then. What what scene would was like the most influential when you were just a little girl, a little young lass? I want like the key scene that you remember being like, that's my favorite scene. Probably where she's going through the records and she's like, Carly Gang's all here. And then she starts singing or something. Then she gets in, he brings over the lamb and she's like, I wish I ate meat. And then he takes her to the veggie place. That's probably the most influential. What was the funniest part to you? What was the funniest line when you were 14 that you and the girls... Does Princess Sophia want to come out and play? 2003, that was that was what we were like, Princess Sophia? Oh man, that's not a name for a penis. <laughs> Eating Cheetos on the carpet in a uh, cold basement. On the carpet? Yeah. Oh, that's a dangerous game. Maybe not every day, but like if I'm going to a sleepover or I'm staying up, and I'm like partying, I want a Cheeto. It's always Coil Ranch for me. Over, I'm talking over Chips Ahoy. I don't think that's insane. It's just different than me. Um, I think that's all we have. I think that might be it too. Yeah. So um, where can they find, where can the people find us? Oh, you can find us at mywifewatchesmovies at gmail.com.
Well, you can email us there, but where can they find us on Instagram? You can find us at my wife. At, nope. You can find us at Wife Watches. That's yeah. the handle on Instagram and Twitter. No, Although on I've, Twitter, it, well, we are making a real mess I never this. do this part. I also never update our Twitter, and I feel really bad. I think the last time I updated it was for Pulp Fiction. Well, our Twitter is my, uh, Wife Watches. Wife, wife underscore, underscore Watches. No, the underscore. Oh, boy. Anyway, uh, we're going to do the Nolan Batman trilogy. Courtney, I don't think has very. You've seen these, but you don't. Your memory is fuzzy at best. Yeah, made out with my boyfriend in the movie theater the first time I went to see it. Which one? Which movie theater? No. Which boyfriend? No. Which Batman? Yep. Begins. What? You would have been like fourteen. Uh, maybe it was Dark Knight then. All right, everyone. See you later. And remember, I'm not talking about lust either, ladies. I'm talking about deep, meaningful. Head over heels, his and her towels, let's grow old together, L-O-V-E. I respect women, all right? And I also listen to women. And that's why I can sell myself to any woman, anywhere, anytime.